Tonight we have retold the account of the first Easter through the eyes of the Apostle Peter. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that Peter is in the Gospel. First of all, Peter shows us that the events that we have retold tonight really did happen. They're not myth or fairy tale. They're not metaphor or fiction. The cross and resurrection of Jesus were literal, factual, historical events that we can depend upon. We saw the man that Peter was. On the night of Jesus' arrest, he was a coward. He denied even knowing the man that he'd spent the last three years of his life following, all in the attempt to save his own skin. I don't blame him. I would almost certainly have done the same thing. I also hide from conflict and run from dangerous situations. Having seen what happened to Jesus, Peter feared he would be next. So while sat around the fire that night, he took evasive action. Three times he lied. Three times self-preservation took priority over loyalty. Three times fear was allowed to win. Yet what happened to Peter in the months and years to come? As we read on in the Bible, we find him preaching in the temple courts. That's right. Preaching in the Jewish heartland. Preaching about Jesus to the very men who had savagely put him to death. We find him arrested and imprisoned for his faith multiple times. Yet on these occasions, rather than running away, he prayed, asking God to give him more strength so he could go on speaking the truth regardless. We find him going to the home of the enemy, a Roman centurion called Cornelius, and sharing the gospel there. Then we see him making his way around the Mediterranean, preaching, teaching, planting churches, all the time knowing that by doing so, he would be stirring up trouble for himself. In his letters at the end of the Bible, we find him writing to the members of those churches, imploring them to hold on to Jesus as they go through the suffering of persecution. Ultimately, we know that Peter would die a martyr's death. The man who was such a coward found the courage to lay down his life for the Lord. Can anyone here tonight think of a reason that could have caused that dramatic transformation in Peter other than the fact that he met the risen Lord Jesus? What else could have possibly turned his life around to such an extent? What could have made this coward become a champion of the faith? Let me tell you, it was nothing that Peter found within himself. Peter found the courage and the boldness from seeing with his own eyes that everything Jesus had told him was true. He was the Messiah. He was God's chosen king. He was the saviour of the world. And Peter knew it without a shred of doubt because he'd met the risen Jesus over and over again. On that first Easter Sunday and through the 40 days that would follow. And now he knew that risen Jesus living in him by his spirit. 
Peter gives us the evidence we need that Jesus really is alive again. Nothing else could have turned his life around like this. Peter shows us that the cross and resurrection are true. Secondly, Peter shows us that the cross and resurrection of Jesus work. They work for ordinary people like you and I. It's so important that Peter is in the gospel because he was a man so much like us. If you read through the accounts, you see Peter blundering around. Sometimes he gets things right, sometimes he gets things very wrong. At times, Peter blurts out rubbish, speaking before he thinks. In other moments, he acts impetuously, taking matters into his own hands. He was capable of great faith and devotion. Then a very short time later, he was full of fear and doubt. As a result, Peter knew the weight of shame and the sting of regret. He knew he was a sinner who deserved so little. In the Easter story, we find Peter running twice. In fact, not just running, hurtling as fast as his legs could carry him. On the morning of the first Easter Sunday, when he hears from the women that the tomb is empty, he charges to the graveside. Why does he do that? He does it because he's desperate. He carries the burden of that threefold denial. The rooster's crow is still ringing in his ears. On hearing the tomb is empty, Peter is desperate to see if it is true. He's desperate to know if Jesus might possibly be alive once more. Why? Because he's desperate for the chance to say sorry, to confess, and to hear Jesus speak the words of love and forgiveness that will ease his very guilty conscience. Sadly, Peter doesn't get them straight away. When he does indeed get to see Jesus risen and alive again, he's with all the other disciples and Jesus only stays a short time. That one-on-one moment that he longs for will have to wait. So we find Peter running a second time. This time he runs down the side of a boat. He hurls himself into the sea fully clothed and he charges up the shore to where the risen Jesus is sat cooking breakfast. Peter is tunnel vision. He abandons his friends. He abandons his catch. He must get close to Jesus once more. He is desperate again for those words of forgiveness. He is desperate for reassurance, a second chance, a new beginning. I don't know about you, but I deeply associate with this. There are so many things in my life that I regret. So many things that when I reflect upon them bring a cloud of shame crashing down. I'm a sinner. I know I am. I cannot even begin to pretend otherwise. There are things I've said and done and thought that I would not share with another soul. Yet God knows them all. Just like the Lord knew what Peter had done. On the night of his arrest. So I too know what it is to long for forgiveness. To long for a second chance. To long for a new beginning. Of course in the Easter story. 
Peter does indeed find what he is looking for. All that frantic running can finally stop as he takes his place by the side of the risen Jesus and hears him speak directly to him. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Then take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. You see, Jesus doesn't ignore Peter's sin. He doesn't pretend that it didn't happen. Instead, he goes straight to it and he forgives it. He goes to the site of the wound and he heals it. Three times Peter denied him. Three times Jesus reinstates him. Peter shows us that the cross works. Peter shows us that the empty tomb works. Forgiveness is available for all. A new beginning is available to all who run to Jesus, desperate for help. God demonstrated his great love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I'm so glad that Peter is in the Easter story. He is the proof that the gospel is true and he is the proof that the gospel works, even for you and me. We truly can stake everything that we have Upon it. Now, a few moments ago, we heard a few words from Peter himself. I don't imagine that many of us have heard them read on an Easter Sunday service before. These words were written 30 years after that first Easter. Peter has had 30 years to work out what it means to live in the light of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And in his instructions to the early church, as he feeds his sheep like Jesus had asked him to do, Peter uses three words that I hope can be a guide to us as we seek to live in the days after this Easter celebration. Those three words are serve, submit and stand. First of all, Declaring himself to be a witness of Christ's sufferings, Peter urges the elders of the church to serve those around them. They're not to use their position of authority to rule the roost or to pursue personal ambition, but to use every power that they have to care for the people that they are responsible for. As Easter people, we are to be people who serve. We are to live cross-shaped lives. Jesus is the creator and king of the universe, yet he gave everything up, even his very life, to give his people what they desperately needed, forgiveness and a way through death. Now, we, of course, cannot do that ourselves, but every time we sacrificially serve those around us, we are forming a witness to the crucified God, we are preaching Jesus to the world through our actions. As Easter people, we are to serve our church, serve our spouses and families, serve our neighbours, serve our world. 
We are to give our very best for others. We are to try and do what Jesus did. We are to make the cross visible again today. But don't worry, this doesn't resign us to a life of just being a doormat. Peter says if we do this, then when the risen Lord Jesus appears again, he will grant us a crown of glory that will never fade away. You see, God's kingdom is upside down. The first become last and the last become first. In Jesus, the servant became the risen king. And the same will be true for us. Secondly, Peter calls on the younger members of the church to submit to those who are more experienced. We all need to realise that we have more to learn, more wisdom to take on board. But then Peter speaks more generally. All the church are to be humble with one another. All are to deal with their pride. Why? Because this is part of the way that we submit to the Lord himself. Jesus is alive right now. Jesus is risen and reigning, sitting on the throne of heaven. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the resurrection proves that he is worthy of all those titles. It is right for us to submit to him. Not in a few things, but in everything. We are to submit to him in moments of temptation. We are to submit to him in moments of personal ambition. We are to submit to him every time we face a big decision. We are to seek his ways above our own. To read his word and walk in his footsteps. But notice again, Peter announces a great reward if we will submit to the risen Lord. If we humble ourselves under God's almighty hand, he will lift us up in due time. If we cast our anxieties onto him, we will find peace. For he really does care for us. What better news could there be as we live in these bewildering days of pandemic, war, climate change, recession and increasing secularisation? The world may look all wrong to us, but the risen king is on the throne. If we submit to him, we can be assured that he will lead us into living our best lives. And that in the end, he will ensure that everything works for good. Finally, Peter calls on the early church to stand. They are to stand firm and resist everything that evil throws at them. They are to stand together as one family of God against all the suffering in the world. We all know what it feels like to be under spiritual attack. We all know what it feels like to be holding on to faith with our fingertips in a moment of crisis. We all know what it feels like to be mocked and derided for our faith. Peter knew that this would be a reality for all believers, no matter how experienced they were. So he urges us to stand firm together. And what is his great reason for doing so? 
His reason is that because Jesus is risen, one day he will come back. Because Christ has entered eternal glory himself, he will one day bring that glory to us. One day we too will rise from the grave. One day we too will be picked up from the ashes of the world and made strong, firm and steadfast. Because of Easter, sin is defeated. Evil is defeated. Death, devil and hell are defeated. If we trust in Christ and stand firm to the end, we will live with God forevermore. This is a promise guaranteed by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So tonight we have focused on telling the Easter story through the eyes of Peter. We have discovered that it is Peter that proves that the Easter story is true and that the Easter story works. Sins really can be forgiven and life really can go on beyond the grave. And as we have reflected on these things, Peter has given us three wise words to guide our living in the days ahead. As Easter people, let us serve others like Jesus did on the cross. As Easter people, let us submit our lives to the risen King and choose God's ways above our own. As Easter people, let us stand firm together in the battle of this world. For we know that the end will be glorious and will make all our tribulations worthwhile. May we start to live these Easter lives, serving, submitting and standing like Peter from the moment we leave here this evening.